When I was in my early teens, I started writing songs. They were uh, terrible. <laughs> uh, but there is one copy of a full-length album out there somewhere, probably stored in a box in Australia. It was a home recording of me and my first ever original songs. And look, when I was 14, I had no recording equipment. I had a nylon string guitar and that was it. But I didn't let that stop me. You know, I had an old stereo in the lounge room and, and for some reason it had a microphone input. It also had a tape deck with a record option. I didn't have a microphone, but I had these small speakers that I got in a show bag at the Melbourne show. I didn't even know where a music store was, so I went down to the CD store. I asked the lady, do you have a connection to make my speaker headphone jack fit into my quarter-inch jack for the mic input on my home stereo? I must have sounded ridiculous, but you know, nonetheless, it actually worked. The little speakers acted as an easily distorted, slightly bass-heavy microphone. I pressed record on my tape deck, played my $100 nylon string guitar and sang live into these toy speakers. I remember track three. I can't remember what the song was called, but I kept messing it up, so I'd rewind the tape and record it again. Now, if you're old enough to remember how tape would work, you'd know that the more you record over tape, the worse it starts to sound. On my maybe 10th take, I got through the whole song, but right at the end, the house phone rings, and I didn't want to wear down the tape anymore, so I decided that track three would just end with a telephone ringing. That's how the song went now. But after all the drama, I'd recorded a full-length original album, live on tape. And the cherry on top? I had a family friend who knew a little bit about recording. So they took it down to the local community radio station, 88.6 Plenty Valley FM. They asked if they could borrow their much more expensive equipment. You know, in between the Greek hour and the pre-recorded show tunes hour, my family friend sat there and recorded the tape onto a digital file, then put it on CD for me even made an album cover on clip art on his Windows 95 computer. And that was the process for my first ever demo recording. I was a terrible amateur musician. Some might say I still am, but this was about 1999, maybe 2000. Home studios back then were expensive. Pro Tools was, and still is, the industry standard in digital recording, and a half-decent Pro Tools setup with all the important plugins, you know, that could cost thousands of dollars. On top of that, it was unable to exactly replicate what a musician could do in a big studio. Now, big studios cost close to $1,000 a day. And to build a big studio, you'd need hundreds of thousands of dollars. It wasn't completely useless, but professional home recordings were, you know, niche at best. And then came Steve Jobs. The man who revolutionised the way we listen to music and how we use phones, Apple had one inconspicuous software purchase back on July 1st, 2002. The purchase that would have a lasting effect on how music would be recorded and even how music would be written in the future. See, on that date, Jobs and Apple bought a digital recording program that was compatible with your home Macintosh computer. It was called Logic. This program was to be a direct competition for the overpriced Pro Tools. Apple's whole selling point with home computers was to create a workstation to breed creativity. Logic was just a small part of that plan inside Apple's booming company, 
In 2002, the Apple iPod was only in its first year of sales. You know, that took all the media hype. But looking back, if this wasn't all part of a great big master plan, it definitely was an incredible coincidence. You see, Apple was making music consumption as easy as possible with the iPod, while at the same time, taking the process of recording professional sounding music and making that as cheap and easy as possible for the everyday musician. Apple rarely invent anything, they popularise things. The mouse became popular after Apple borrowed the concept from Xerox. MP3 players were basically toys, and then came the iPod. Smartphones, really just for business people until the iPhone. And Apple's new digital recording program, Logic, that had been around since the early 90s. Logic was rebranded Logic Pro. With the power of the Apple branding machine, it became every bit as capable as Pro Tools. Where Pro Tools cost thousands, Logic costs 200 bucks. Over the years, it edged out a fan base until this very day where Logic is seen as equal to Pro Tools in professional recording. With Logic, Steve Jobs had greatly reduced the cost of producing music for the world. But if that wasn't enough, Apple had an even crazier plan for the future of music. One that doesn't get enough recognition in shaping today's industry. Their idea was simple. Why should the art of creating music, creating sound, cost anything? Digitalized music was, after all, just code, ones and zeros. And a recording program was nothing more than a blank canvas. So Apple took the framework of their Logic Pro software. And in 2004, Apple created GarageBand completely free digital recording program. You've probably heard of GarageBand. If you own an iPhone, you have it on your phone. It's a free app, but it's not just a game or a way to waste time. Because Apple built a recording studio and then professionally recorded sounds. Every note of a trumpet, every different tonal quality, dozens of times. This process was repeated for hundreds of instruments, dozens of drum kits, Eastern world instruments, you name it, they did it. Then Apple created samples, hundreds of drum loops, bass lines, piano parts, different moods, different vibes, different genres. They created an AI drummer that takes your inputs and plays back a studio quality drum beat complete with drum rolls and feel. Thousands of samples, thousands of sounds. And then Apple made them all completely royalty free. You want to use these samples, put them together, give it a name and distribute that song for sale without even crediting the original performer? That's completely fine. In 1990, Vanilla Ice released Ice Ice Baby. It contained a very obvious sample of Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie. You know, when this happens, the songwriters of the new song usually give a large portion of the songwriting credit to the original writers, meaning they don't make much money off the song. Now, it was only two notes on a bass guitar, but Vanilla Ice actually bought the rights for the use of Under Pressure. It hasn't been disclosed for how much, but you can only imagine that it would have been a ton of money. Under Pressure was a worldwide hit written by two megastars. Now, why spend all that money acquiring the rights to a tiny little sample of a famous song when you could sample Vintage Funk Kit 03 performed by Apple for the bass of your song for absolutely free? By the way, here is Vintage Funk Kit 03.
And here is the 2008 global hit Umbrella by Rihanna. In one of the most famous examples of garage band's success and really the decreasing price of producing music, Rihanna and her producers used a free sample of a free app found on an iPhone 4 in one of the biggest commercial hits of 2008. You know, just 10 years earlier, to get a real sounding drum kit on a song, you needed studio time. Now it was free. And look, that's one very obvious example. It's a bit of a stretch to say that Steve Jobs changed how music was written because of that one song, but it's not the recording and producing of commercial hit songs that have changed. See, when you're a millionaire, it doesn't matter if you use Pro Tools or Logic, big studio, small studio. Rihanna has creative freedom to do what she likes because she's rich. What has changed is the amateur musician. Remember, I was the terrible 14-year-old musician trying to balance a toy speaker on a chair, plugged into a stereo recording to a tape deck just to lay down my songs. I couldn't afford the entry-level Pro Tools set up at age 14. You know, there were portable recorders back then, but they weren't as popular as an iPhone. I don't know how many ideas I thought of and just lost because the technology wasn't there for me to multi-track them. The just starting out 14-year-old musician today with a nylon string guitar can get experience on a fully equipped recording studio. And yes, GarageBand on a computer is fully equipped. YouTube has countless tutorial videos on how to make world-class recordings on GarageBand. Writing songs when I was 14, I had to either imagine what the drummer would play or try to play along with my equally amateur drummer mate Steve at lunchtime in school. The 14 year old today just tells GarageBand what drum kit they want, what tempo they want, what type of groove they need, how many drum rolls they need, and essentially they're playing along to a session musician. Beginner musicians have a level of creative freedom that was only afforded to professionals and wealthy people just a few decades ago. What does that do for songwriting? It could go two ways. You know, those who want to create art have the tools to enhance their talent and, and create even better music. And of course, the other way, kids can write okay produced garbage that would have never left the bedroom 20 years ago, and now they can throw them online for the whole world to hear for 13 bucks, you know, using CD Baby. I like to think the art of music, of real substance, won't go away just because it's easier to start the journey. Yes, there'll be garbage posted online, but somewhere out there, the next Freddie Mercury or Jimmy Page, they're getting their hands dirty on a recording studio, well before Freddie or Jimmy were ever able to. That's got to be good for music. Want to know how great GarageBand can actually be? See, COVID messed up a lot of stuff for my personal music career. But the worst part was I couldn't get into a studio with my band to record. And then we got offered a spot on a compilation, provided it was a new song. We live in different countries. So here's how we managed to record the single Rise. First, I recorded vocals and guitars on GarageBand to a click track. The band then recorded in a studio in Australia, playing along to my scratch tracks, just like I was there. And then I went to a studio here in Germany to do my parts for real. Now here's the thing, I spent $500 in this studio, 
and honestly, I wasn't happy with the recordings. Maybe it was lost in translation. Maybe I didn't get the sound I was looking for. Maybe it just wasn't captured on the day. Maybe I just had an off day in the studio. Those things happen. But the point was, I had no more studio time unless I forked out hundreds more. I hadn't worked in nearly a year thanks to COVID, so instead I dragged out all the mattresses in my house, hung up blankets on the walls, turned on my iMac, loaded up my garage band and recorded vocals and guitars for my band's new single, In My House. We sent it to a professional to mix it, of course, because none of us are professional engineers, but in the past, the studio time alone can be anywhere from $500 to $1,000 a day. And at the end of the day, what you have is what you've got. In my house, I had all the time in the world. We released Rise. The track has been played on radio in multiple countries, more than 20,000 streams on Spotify. The compilation it was included on reached the UK top 10 and a large part of the song was recorded on a free app. This is what it sounds like. thing was, no one knew I recorded on GarageBand. How would they? The ones and zeros that make up the sound are the same ones and zeros if you use a free app or an expensive app. The moral of this story is, you don't need to spend 20 grand making an album anymore. It's just unnecessary. Billie Eilish might not be your cup of tea, but she's a megastar. And her debut album cost whatever she spent on a microphone and 200 bucks for Logic Pro. Of all the things Steve Jobs gets credit for in music, this one, GarageBand, should be considered the one that revolutionised the art of making music the most. Thanks for listening to The Sound Age.